What's going on, world? Welcome to Changing the Narrative. This is a show where we discuss everything from politics, philosophy, theology, social issues, economics, and more from a biblical perspective. The main goal of this show is to find truth. What is the truth about all these matters, and how should we respond once we have a greater understanding of the issues? Let's discuss. What's going on, world? Welcome back. Today, I interviewed Hector Roos, who is a former candidate for governor who ran against Ron DeSantis. But before I get into that interview, I just want to plug autonomy. What is autonomy? Autonomy is a course that teaches people practical skills on how to become self-sufficient, independent. There's also courses on critical thinking, logic, courses on sales and marketing, how to grow your own food, permaculture, um, courses on history with information that you probably didn't learn in school. You can also learn about finance and much more, and you'll be around a community of like-minded people that are looking to grow as well. So I'm going to post links to that on the show. And on that note, let's get started. Welcome back to Changing the Narrative. Today, I have former gubernatorial candidate Hector Roos. He's also a political consultant and worked on the Ron Paul campaigns of 2008 and 2012. Welcome to the show today, Hector. Hey, thanks for having me. Appreciate it. Did I get your bio right? Uh, yeah, I'm also a, a realtor uh, and, you know, just a, I guess an activist trying to do some good in the world. Okay. Cool. We, we definitely need that. Um, so I got to ask you the million dollar question. What made you run against Ron DeSantis, one of the most popular governors in the nation, as well as one of the best real estate agents in the country? That's what some uh, say. I, yeah, <laughs> sure. I, I would say uh, my first uh, my first reaction is, you know, it's really the uh, $180 million question because that's how much uh, Ron DeSantis has raised. Uh, it, you, utilizing his uh, his platform as, as governor of Florida. Uh, in the meanwhile, we've uh, had record record ta- new taxes in the state in cor- that people have to pay for, and record high cost of living uh, that people are now suffering through, unseen in more than a decade. So yeah, I think uh, there was definitely some reasons for for running there, uh, and we had a governor who was who's been you know who's been more popular outside of the state than inside of it, for the most part. Uh, you know, you have uh, we have the election results that speak for themselves about how people feel uh, about him, which uh, which at, least, at the very least says that if they were going to protest uh, D.C., they they definitely uh, pick the uh, the Mr. DeSantis rather than a libertarian or the other party. So okay. that that really is what comes down to it. You know, you you want to say that there's there are issues happening in Florida. Uh, and you want to establish, you know, what exactly, first of all, what's a libertarian in this race? What are they actually saying that's that that's important enough for somebody to run? Uh, and then second of, and second of all, like you just have to, uh, you know, there, there are moments to speak truth to power and it's going to be in the most unpopular times. And this was definitely one of those. Okay. So what would you say are your main critiques of DeSantis? Well, he's he's been an absentee governor. Uh, so, in other words, he's been campaigning for president, you know, for for about a, a year and a half already. Um, he was also one, of, you know, he was he was one of the worst uh, governors on uh, in regards to the COVID response in America. 
although the media has done everything possible to kind of uh, play off uh, his his policy uh, his policies uh, because they're really on his side. I mean, this is somebody who's who's been whose position and, and has been elevated uh, by the media. He's he's you know he's he's not he's not some kind of limited government guy. Uh, he is an owned libs and and fight and fight the culture war kind of uh, guy of the of the of the moment, right? He is the guy of the moment. Uh, so that that my biggest critique again is is just going back is is that he is an absentee governor, uh, whose whose claim to fame is that he he has a superb uh, you know, PR firm that works for him. So, I know some some people that are listening might say, well, you know, he was very popular and he had very popular and he he governed um correctly when it came to covid policy like we florida was one of those states that had a lot of freedom and we were open for business whereas a lot of states were locked down and a lot of people were fleeing to florida how how would you respond to people who say you know he ruled pretty good in in times of in uh, during covid I mean, a lot of people feel that way, but I, I think they've just been manipulated by the media, uh, just like how the media manipulated a lot of people into uh, basically, you know, seeing Trump as, you know, President Trump as they've elevated his position as, as a, as we now know through WikiLeaks, by the way, uh, that the Hillary Clinton campaign, uh, mo- you know, mobilized the media, her media allies to actually elevate the, the position of the, of uh, Donald Trump to win the, to win the, the nomination of the Republic of the Republican Party that year in 2016, uh, because she thought she could beat him, pretty much. And now mm-hmm. we're seeing the media doing it again, and we have to get our facts straight because we we will get confused by the media, who's obviously very good at manipulating people. So what? Did, let's get the facts straight. So Florida was one of the first states to lock down under the orders of Ron DeSantis. You, you know, he and remember, this was a Republican problem. You know, most of the states that locked down were run uh, had Republican governors and Republican legislatures. This was not a moment of oh my god the Democrats did to us. No, it was a it was a two party problem uh, problem from the beginning. So it, you didn't have um, you, we hear the examples out of you know California and New York and and they're loud examples because they're run by Democrats. But what happened to you know Michigan and Pennsylvania and uh, and New Hampshire, right? <laughs> the, you know these are you know or or just talk about Georgia, right? Georgia, if you want to talk about the the best. Uh, you know, Georgia actually had the shortest lockdown. They actually did the two weeks and then nothing else. They stopped. They fully opened after that. And Florida, um, so going back to Florida, Florida had its lockdown. It had a lockdown for, for two months, full lockdown. Uh, and then it had a graduated reopening schedule, which just basically meant there's some parts of Florida were free and others weren't. Uh, and, and it showed, mm-hmm. right? By the end, by the, by the following year, Florida was... The, elite, uh, the fourth um, biggest loser of small businesses in America. So a lot of generational businesses went away. They just, they just folded up and, and stopped. They caved in. Uh, then, of course, you know, we, the, the state of emergency, you know, the suspension of civil liberties, the suspension of the rule of law, was actually maintained by the, by the governor for 475 days. Uh, that that so long actually that basically it only ended when California reopened. So just to put into perspective, now right. that that actually is also so long that it transformed the way that that people have a relationship with Florida's governments and not just state government but local government too, 
it's local government that at the end of the day is what enforced all those uh, DeSantis uh, regulations on COVID. You know, even today, I mean, let, let's just let's remember it wasn't too long ago. It was just last November uh, that you had the, the Department of the Biden's Department of Justice declaring parents in Florida that were upset about the mask, continued masking of their kids without, you know, real emergency. Uh, they were calling them domestic terrorists. These parents would show up mm-hmm. at school board meetings and protest. They were being de- they were being described like like if they were armed and if they're they were being and then ready to, you know, take to the streets and start killing people. I mean, that's really what domestic terrorists are. So, uh, of course, it's laughable, right? But it, it did happen. This is what's actually happening in your country. Uh, and right. people have to realize that. So, but again, going back to this year, uh, it was only until like March or April that all, all the major school uh, school districts in Florida unmasked their kids finally. They finally ruled, they finally ended the policy mid-school year. That's great, but again, that's all the way till now. It's more than two years of masking kids. Now, uh, right. on top of that, you know, guess what? Most of the uh, public uh, the public hospital systems are still under medical mandates. So, if you want to actually go to a, a public hospital system, they do require you to uh, to vax or to and to wear a mask. You know what? What actually has changed? I don't know. Uh, all I do know is that, uh, and oh, I can answer that. I mean, I'm, I'm saying that. Uh, is an open-ended question, but the reality is that the the Sanders had the legislature meet to 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 do a an overhaul for pandemic laws that were on the books, and you know what they left in under the law? What's that? What's that? They left in the uh, the 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 law that lets um, lets public health administrators decide uh, for a mandatory vaccine. So. So if I go to a public hospital to be treated, I have to um, be vaccinated, or if I work there, they, I they will they at, off both. By the way, so the vendors that work on site or have a contract to work on site, even if you're not, if even if you still re- work remotely, you're required to to vax. And I do know, I do know contractors and different health systems that do require that. And apparently, there's some, uh, you know, there's a there's an order that says that you're, you know, from from DeSantis that says, oh, you shouldn't do that. But he never enforced it against school boards and he never enforced it against hospitals. But again, the law says now, uh, because guess what? The the legislature had a chance to change it and they didn't. And it, it reads that you can be forcibly vaxxed under a state of, uh, under, you know, basically uh, emergency health guidelines. You can still be quarantined, which means uh, the health concentration camps. And ultimately they can actually pursue any means necessary to, to force your compliance. This is this okay. Is so those... yeah, this is the scary. These are the scary things, and it's uh, uh, SB. Uh, I have to. I'll get you the legislation in a minute. But it's uh, okay. it's something that they they reviewed and and it's been on the books for twenty years, and they didn't take it out. They didn't. Okay, that because that was my next question. These laws are still on the books and they haven't been removed. Okay. Um. Wow. Well, that says a lot. I mean. You know, during the pandemic, it seemed to me, I know I do remember us being locked down. I remember Florida being locked down and businesses were shut down. I remember there was one time when I even went to go do pull-ups in my local park and a park ranger came up to me and she gave me a pamphlet basically saying that, you know, I couldn't do pull-ups. So it, it was a little ridiculous, but 
like you were saying, those lockdowns were removed. And since that time, people do have the impression that, you know, Florida is just a, a pretty free state and the governor has allowed us to have more freedom than the other states. But according to what you're saying, we still do have some of these laws on the books that really haven't been removed. Um, what would you do? How would you govern in a time like that? Well, the, 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 well, the first thing we have to we have to realize that uh, that it was never good good science uh, that w- what happened, right? It was basically we, we turned over the rule of law, even 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 the precepts of democracy, if you if you can trust that. I mean, you know, in terms of popular popular rule, and we made it into a, a rule by by experts, the rule of scientists. So uh, of so-called scientists, right? Trust the science. So at the end of the day, you need incredible courage to stand up to and say, you know, your your, you know, uh, science that should be rigid, you know, rigorously debated if you want to call it science. Uh, And I studied engineering. I I come from a scientific science background. Uh, The it has it does not invalidate uh, people's freedoms. It doesn't suddenly say give cause without much debate, uh, even even if you're going to go there. And I don't. Uh, you would you would need a lot more debate than what was allowed. And in fact, frankly, what we had was a lot of people were just resisted. You know, they were told, no, you know, you have to. This is going to happen. You know, you are going to stay in your homes. You are you're going to close up your businesses. You are you're not going to have uh, you know loud music. You're you're not, you're not going to be able to seat everybody in your in your you know, you're going to have to maintain social distancing forever. And frankly, there's, you know, these these calls to return to it isn't it isn't just a Ron DeSantis problem. The calls continue to actually there are still people saying we should continue to lock down. People who resist should be put in prison or shot. I mean, what's happening, what's happening even today in Australia is disgusting in terms of they do have their force uh, force quarantine camps. They they, they have suspended uh, civil liberties. And expressly shown that they they don't care about it's not a, an issue of a, of a, a medical health emergency, a public health emergency. It is more about an issuance of control. I mean, this is a dramatic departure from the the, the liberal uh, form and uh, form of governments that that have existed in the Western world. So, in other words, let, let's put it this way: we're putting you know China is blushing by how how rigorous some of the the rules in some of these countries have become, uh, and. F- Frankly, mm-hmm. compare, you know, who's doing better than us? Like, look at Britain. They, they actually uh, reversed their lockdowns way earlier than America did. You know, they didn't want to put up with it anymore. So <clears throat> we're not. And of course, you know, look to our neighbor to the north and, China, and uh, I'm about to say China. But yeah, it's kind of China north. Right. Uh, where they have based. They, they, if you protest the loss of, 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 of your civil liberties, and your ability to do business, you can have your your bank account seized, even your relation, even your family's bank accounts can be seized. You have no privacy, uh, and they and they've essentially set up the most draconian police state in uh, in the, the Americas. Now, and by the way, the react, even though uh, it was harsh in very harsh in California, in many places in California, New York, uh, particularly New York City. What they're doing in the other countries in the Americas, like in South America, to in, in you know they they heavily regulate who goes outside at what time. The social distancing paradigms right. over there are ridiculous, and of course, 
uh, the, va- the vaccine requirements there are are not to be um, avoided without penalties. So you can, in other words, they they really when they say lockdown in other countries, they really do mean it. So we we're just not yeah. we're such a large country that we we do have the benefit, and, and frankly, we're so used to just doing it our own way that it's uh, we we got we've been able to protect our own liberties just based but based on noncompliance. But the rules are there. The, the 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 politics have changed in the sense that politicians feel empowered to do this, and they can do it, and they will do it again. Just a matter of time. So, right. So technically, is is Florida still under a national um, emergency? According to the Biden administration, we are. Remember, the, the, he's, okay. he announced he announced two months ago that the pandemic's over, and but never the the, the uh, CDC never changes guidelines. So can the governor then step in and say we're not going to abide by those rules because you know we have state states rights? Absolutely, and, and nullify that. Okay, now, has that been done? Uh, they've done it in, in in limited aspects. Of course, they're uh, you know they've contested whether the you know he's brought in the Surgeon General that is is pretty pretty good pretty good in my book, uh, uh, Doctor Lapato. Uh, but for that, you know, but they're not being aggressive in trying to tell the the government here's a bright line and and no further. They're doing it piecemeal, case by case situation. Let me let me tell you like how how bad it did get in Florida, and you're in Palm Beach County, so this is a good example, uh, a fortunate, uh, a good fortunate example. So he, you know, DeSantis would come around, you know, every week or so and, and do a press conference in Palm Beach County, um, and there would be the there's there was a story of this uh, of this teacher who contracted COVID, went to the uh, got admitted into the hospital, uh, wanted a second opinion other than the treatment options she was being offered, uh, and. You know, and uh, and the second opinion said, you know, asked the, the hospital to release her in, into his care, uh, and the you know patient agreed, the patient's family agreed, and the hospital refused to release her into the, that physician's care and to take it to court. Uh, and and by the way, she's still sick and getting worse, right? They're not allowing treatment options, and she's rejecting the what the hospital wanted to give her, right? Because the hospital wanted to give her was something toxic, a toxic approach. Uh, mm-hmm. And which we've now learned, there's a lot of treatments that they were being that were given, given that were just making people sicker, right? Not better. Uh, and all, and ultimately, you have DeSantis every week coming by into Palm Beach County, making these speeches about freedom, and you have a lady fighting for her life and in court, uh, trying to just try and have the basic freedom to pick to choose her own, uh, you know, healthcare option, right? Her or how her own treatment, right? Uh, and she ended up winning the, the lawsuit, but she ended up dying anyway in the hospital. Wow. So, so these are the stories in Florida that uh, that people just don't know about. You know how how you know how simple is it that uh, that your freedoms can be robbed from you and stripped from you, and you have to fight for them at every every uh, every step. You know you're <clears throat> we're one sickness away. You know one one scare away from from these situations from occurring. So that's that's so, why I, I, I fight. You know, I, me- I mentioned this. Uh, it, I mentioned this because it's, it's it's worth fighting for. So the governor had the authority to um, remove that mandate, saying that um, she should be allowed to try these alternative treatments or um, go to these other doctors. Absolutely, but I would also keep okay. in mind the public health system in Florida, like any other state, is 
uh, it, it depends heavily on federal funding. So they don't want themselves to, to basically go bankrupt by rejecting the protocols that have been forced upon them because they accepted the federal money, right? Whether it's Medicaid mm-hmm. or, uh, or LIP funding, which is the emergency room funding, it's all federal, you know, it's, it's a lot of federal dollars. And Medicaid is an extremely okay. large program. Okay. So they, they want to stick to their approved list of medicines, so to speak. Whereas e- even if those medicines may kill you, I, that's what, that's what they want to stick to because they're getting the, uh, the dollars. So follow the money. It's always about following yeah. the money. Wow. Wow. That's crazy. I didn't, you'll have to send me some information on that because I never heard about that story. Um, I want to come back to the lockdowns and COVID policy in a minute, but I wanted to touch on the lawsuit that you filed against DeSantis for transporting immigrants to Martha's Vineyard. Um, Explain the issue with this and how this was unconstitutional or why you you filed this uh, this lawsuit. Sure. I filed filed a lawsuit uh, uh, two months ago. Uh, So basically, well, let's go back to the to the facts. Right. So Ron DeSantis is incredible PR team. It's it exists uh, outside uh, outside of his campaign or at the time outside of his campaign and outside of the state of government um, like agencies. But he, in this case, you know, in other words, um, you know, he's been promoting a, like this presidential run without saying that he's running for president. And he's been doing a lot of different types of um, publicity stunts to just, you know, trigger people, right? Tr- but trigger people in a good way and trigger people in a bad way. So trigger people in a good way, yeah, he's owning the libs and trigger people in a bad way, like to attack him and get sympathy and then draw support from himself, right? So he did that so often that that's based, you know, he... Uh, his people, uh, uh, people like uh, you know Congressman Matt Gates, uh, among among them, and a couple of his buddies, uh, thought of this plan and they put it in the in the state le- uh, state budget to have funding, a uh, discretionary funding put in place to transport Im- Ill- quote unquote illegal immigrants. Now it's clearly def- uh, defined in uh, in the budget what these illegal immigrants are, who these kind of immigrants uh, are. Uh, and they're basically, it's basically a transportation fund. You, you know, we've identified you as illegal instead of arresting you or turning you over to the feds, we'll just put you on a plane and you tell us where you want to go. That that's, you know, and, and other, other states have been doing this, you know, Texas has been famous for putting hundreds of not thousands of immigrants on buses and, and busing them to New York and New York's uh, in New York or Chicago or, uh, you know, other uh, cities run by Democrats essentially. Right. Because the uh, the governor over there also has prospects to running for president, uh, but it's you know, but they all treated like publicity stunts to raise awareness of the issue of immigration. Now I do have a solution for that, but I'll, I'll mention that uh, later. And this, so in this case, the Sanders wanted to get on the train, so uh, they, their people, his people, organized a, a transport. They, they basically they couldn't find enough or, or any quote unquote illegal immigrants in Florida. Now I live in Miami and. You know, I just go to a construction site. I'm going to find a couple, but they, but basically, they couldn't find any that to volunteer for the program. So actually, that's what it, what it comes down to. And so, where did they have to go? They went to Texas, where you have the most desperate group of of, of immigrants uh, coming to America. To America, that's that's where the most desperate come through. Because if you have money, you come on a plane, or you you know, or uh, even or, yeah, that's basically it, right? Uh, so they, 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 they had this person who was named um, 
uh, Perla Huerta, who was a uh, retired 28 year army intelligence person, obviously working for some kind of um, uh, military contractor, uh, leading, you know, leading this, this program in Texas. No one knows how she was being paid. Obviously it was probably some side, side fund of, of the, of the politics uh, that was, uh, you know, to make it, make it operational, make it actually work. She had identified a group of Venezuelan refugees. Now, these are people who are actually by law are welcome to come and, and request uh, asylum. So there were asylum seekers, you know, par- you know there were, there were ki- people of all ages, even children. So these were families. And she convinced mm-hmm. uh, almost 50 of them to board two planes and, 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 and with the promise that they would have employment, housing and, and, and money, uh, resources given to them to start a new life in, in, in America. And, in, and they would be taken to like New York and, or Boston, one of these big cities. Instead, they were dropped off in the middle uh, on an island with no knowledge that they were, that's where they were going and obviously no grasp of English. Uh, and then they were given these, um, they're all, the only advice to them was here. Here's some um, brochures to, to guide you to a, to a, like a nonprofit, uh, you know, two miles away that you can walk to and they'll be there to help you. And then they got on the planes and took off. And left them there, and, and the island was Martha's Vineyard, which was uh, the example was uh, that it's a wealthy group of uh, it's a wealthy enclave of right so-called liberals or Democrats or just wealthy to do people in Massachusetts, right? So right. the uh, the people nobody nobody was contacted in Massachusetts to receive them. Nobody knew anything, and and of course you know the the, the they they tried to they. Everyone's surprised by and, and really surprised by really how desperate of a PR stunt it was because it really uh, took people that were already desperate enough as it is to accept those terms, right? And and the, you know they were by the way they weren't it was was easier. I'm saying these people were already desperate, so it was easy to convince them. What how were they convinced? They were given a hot meal. They were given clothes. They were given money. They were given hotel stays. You know, and and then when it's time to get on the plane. Who's, who's coming on the plane now? And, and some people decided not to go, actually. They decided to stick around. And a lot, and again, uh, about 50 people did go with children. <laughs> you know, it's, so you can imagine the humanitarian, you know, uh, horror that people felt in, in, um, in Massachusetts and, and, and liberal land and, and even immigration groups. Like, what the hell is this? So, you know, you know and if, mm-hmm. this can't be right. And, you know, my first instinct was this can't obviously can't be right. And it's not right. I've looked at the budget. I know what the authorization looks like. And everyone's like the first thing everybody points out to is, well, the budget authorization says you're supposed to take these immigrants from Florida and take them somewhere else, not from Texas and, and create a private airplane, you know, create a private airlines for for your politicking, in other words. Mm-hmm. The other point so, of this is well, one, one other point is is that again these are people who are legally here. So on top of that, they they targeted people who are just desperate, not because they were here illegally. So these immigrants weren't illegal. Nope, they were here under uh, the TPS program, temporary protected status, that was extended to Venezuelans, and of course you you also have separately the. And the asylum program. So they were allowed to ask for asylum because they come from a country that's run by communists. Very simple. So, but you okay. took people who were already victims of communists and now you turned them into victims of fascism here in America. 
And guess what? Okay, so I'm, I'm not the only one who sued. There's been there's like four or five lawsuits going on in, re- in relation to this. Those immigrants got attorneys, uh, and and they're suing the state of Florida now, and they're going to win make a lot of money because they were get again they were transported under false pretenses, which is actually a form of kidnapping. Uh, they were deprived of their liberty and told that they were going to be transported to another city and then instead dropped off in the in dropped off in, in the middle of the ocean, basically on an island, and told, go help yourselves, right? They're going to make a lot of money from taxpayers in Florida. So the budget says that um, these immigrants who are in Florida can be transported to other cities outside of Florida. Is that correct? From Florida to anywhere else in the country. Okay, so you're saying that what what happened was DeSantis took these immigrants from another state, which is illegal. Is that correct? Right, but just by by virtue of so, you know sovereignty, right? You the the country is the state of Florida. He's the governor of the state of Florida, not the governor of the state of Texas, right? His authority only granted to him by the Florida Constitution only extends to the borders of the state of Florida. That's it. After that, okay. he has no authority uh, unless he's invited. Unless there's like a legal framework in which he can be invited to participate. Like if in times of emergency crisis, the governor of Texas has asked for our National Guard to go over there, right? Has asked for volunteers, has asked for you know, disaster relief. We, we do it all the time, actually. It's, it's not, it's not a, a complicated idea that, you, that people get permission to participate. Enter into the sovereign territory of another sovereign state. Okay, so did the governor of Texas give him permission to take these immigrants? Now that's a great question. So, for, first and foremost, uh, even if uh, he he denied it at the beginning, he denied it flat out. I had no idea this was happening whatsoever. Uh, and and the reason why he said that is because there's actually no permission. There's no legal framework to. Uh, to take to do immigration like like this because the uh, not because I, I don't think they actually have the right to do that and manage their own immigration policies, but because the they've all agreed to enter into a compact with the federal government. So the federal government uh, actually run runs decides the, the decisions on immigration policy or enforcement. So with that said, now we've learned because of a bunch of public records requests that the chief of staff to the governor of, of Texas was aware of the program happening. So obviously the governor of Texas knew, but he denied it at the beginning. Okay. So the governor of Texas did allow DeSantis to take the immigrants. Uh, right. Now uh, there is okay. a, the, the local sheriff for that area by, by uh, of where they were in the San Antonio area, who's also a Democrat, mm-hmm. by the way, just, just pointed out, he, he did actually has is investigating the whole uh, situation as basically a, uh, a a type of kidnapping, right? He he's saying there is fraud that actually happened, uh, and and he's but he hasn't filed any charges yet. He's he's simply look you know he made that he's made that publicly uh, known about the two, you know a, a couple weeks after the event happened, and that's how we knew about okay. Perla Huerta, you know the the. I don't know, I guess the best way to call her is a spy or something, right? Political, we can call her political operative, but she was trained as a spy. Mm-hmm. To manipulate and these people, people were, yeah. 
Right. And um, okay. So even with the permission that um, DeSantis was given, are you saying that it's still, is it still illegal for him to do that? Yeah, because he, even if the governor of Texas in, invites him to do that, uh, there's still no law that lets DeSantis use taxpayer funds from taxpayer money of Floridians to go spend it in mm -hmm. Texas. Texas has their own money. Well, use your own money. Right. right? I mean, okay. that's that's literally it's that's literally what our that's our constitution. Right. Okay. Um, and when it came to the them dropping off the immigrants at Martha's Vineyard, you're saying that like there was just the treatment was inhumane. They were literally just dropped off there with no, I guess, no guidance on how to survive in that area. Just a, or what just a brochure that says go here, you know, and a little map. That says this is the building, and this is the group that's going to help you. And who didn't know that they were they were about to receive you know fifty refugees uh, that were just dropped off and abandoned on their island. That's crazy. And on top of that, they were illegal. They weren't. They were illegal. illegal. They were here legally, right? right? Okay. Yeah. Totally. Uh, you see, <laughs> see, I've I've never heard this, and I guess you know when it comes to the news and the media, sometimes you got to read in between the lines, and you have to do like outside research on top of what they're telling you because I didn't know any of this information. And honestly, I didn't dig in too much, but um, just in general, when it comes to news, I mean, you just got to do some digging on, on these stories and scrutinize every single thing, which is crazy. Right. Um, the, the news today is more about trying to establish, uh, you know, their form of reality, right? If they say it enough times, people will start believing it and acting like that's, that's true and start operating under that, uh, that, uh, you know, that those assumptions. Right. Um, moving on a little bit. You also talked about, I think you tweeted about this. Uh, DeSantis could have blocked the FBI raid on Mar-a-Lago. Hell yeah. Can you explain that? So, okay, sure. So in this, so right, at, I'll start off with the most recent occurrence. So DeSantis blocks federal agencies and law enforcement operating in, in, in Florida all the time. It's actually there. They operate at the, Federal agencies do not have uh, the authority to simply violate the sovereignty of any state without permission, right? They have to be invited to. That's that's the constitutional division, the ver uh, vertical division of. Uh, that's our federal our, our federal model, or yeah, our federated model has a separation, a vertical separation between the federal government and state governments, and the federal government simply can't get involved in the law enforcement. Uh, there's only uh, in a law enforcement uh, operation in a state without state permission. So with that said, you know, so when um, usually they, they do it, uh, there's like a covenant that they create that says that that says it, the guidelines, but it's irrevocable at any time. Uh, and it, because it's the state has a sovereignty, they can withdraw the permission at any time. So, uh, you know, when in the last week of the election, which was only two weeks ago, so DeSantis uh, denied a request for the Department of Justice to send monitors, or that is law enforcement agents of theirs, to monitor the election uh, you know, at, po at different polling precincts in Florida. He just didn't, said, no, denied. Go, go, pound, go pound sand. Everybody said, oh, he's owning the libs. Oh, he's, he's, he's blocking the Democrats from trying to do something funny, right? Okay, so flashback two months before, or three months before, uh, 
another government another government agency brings to uh, a weak case to a uh, to a local tribunal uh, local tribunal basically not even a full judge to get to to enforce a to get a warrant and then to enforce the warrant <clears throat> using just ex- explicitly their own re- their own officers no they're they're going to incorporate state and 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 county and, and local jurisdiction law enforcement but every, so when you know they're going to serve something you know it gets out and you, you can simply say no you're not doing this even the sheriff of the of the county could could could, could block a a federal uh, a federal operation in that matter because the, right. the the head of law enforcement of of enforcing the law generally in any uh, in any uh, in a con- on, on any constitutional basis is the sheriff. He's actually the last last book uh, the last person um, that gives you okay. So right. there's this a couple people Bradshaw. here. Yeah, and of course he's a Democrat. So let's move on. <laughs> so, but yeah, so that's the, <laughs> that's the point. My my point is that you know he he picks his battles. You know he wasn't you know his and frankly I, I said that to point out that that DeSantis is going to run for president over uh, over Donald Trump's uh, over over his uh, his incarceration. Let's just say it that way, right? So he is complicit in the attempts to incarcerate that to prosecute and incarcerate the former president of the United States, who is his, at this point, his leading contender or opponent for the presidency, uh, for the Republican Party nomination for the presidency in 2024. Mm. Was the raid itself unconstitutional on Trump? So the details of the raid, uh, I mean, most raids are, but by, by, by the way, uh, so the okay. So the details of that raid, um, and I, I'm getting this from uh, from uh, Judge Napolitano, uh, was that uh, my my understanding from him was that it was filed through a, a magistrate, not a judge, which is okay. But the but the the, the reality was that it was uh, it it wasn't the request wasn't that like uh, uh, that emergency like it wasn't so urgent that they would have to really do this so the judge the magistrate who approved the the warrant uh did so really for political reasons not and if there was this further review there there, other magistrates probably would have ruled differently no you're not going to do you know you're not going to target a a former president in this country on such weak sauce right or even any any individual really uh when that's when it comes down to uh now the how I will tell you that the Trump administration, the Trump's legal team, had had the strategy in place to. Uh, it was their strategy to invite such a raid, that, that and that's from Judge Andrew Napolitano. In other words, they were they were playing they were playing with the uh, footsies with the Department of Justice to invite such a reaction, so people could so they could turn around and point at it and say, "Hey, look look what they're trying to do," uh, and that's what happened. And then when, when what happened and. What did they find at Mar-a-Lago? A bunch of empty envelopes or empty uh, folders, right? I don't know if you've seen the pictures but of the exhibits, but they were all empty. So they didn't find anything. So what was the point? Right. It was all an exercise. Right. On both sides, by the way. So not just mm. the DOJ, but the, the Trump legal team. Wow. And DeSantis could have blocked that uh, that FBI sure. raid. That's... Um... That's interesting. But he, he wanted to, um, he basically wants to join uh, neoconservatives and Democrats into, uh, 
uh, pushing down, uh, you know, making making life difficult for Mr. Trump. Right. Um, let's shift to your your platform principles a little bit. Um, sure. I was reading on your platform that you wanted to end the regressive system of property tax. So property tax, um, from my understanding, I was reading the Communist Manifesto, and I think property tax is one of the planks in there. Am I correct in saying that? Uh, the If you never own your property, it's basically abolition of private property. So it does fall okay. into that category. Uh, so okay. yes, and, and form, if you if you can if you always have to pr- pay your taxes on property you've already paid for, uh, then do you really own it? And the answer is no. You ne- you don't own it. It's it, if you stop owning it, it's the, the politicians, not the banks, not the sheriff, not your neighbors. They will seize your property and and resell it. And okay. that's what's so happening would, now throughout would... Florida right now. By the way. Uh, people's um, properties are being taken because they didn't pay taxes on them. Because yes, so no, so what's happening right now is uh, there is the cost of living crisis happening in Florida. Uh, you know, property insurance that's mandate that's actually mandated uh, by the, by uh, Florida law uh, to be incredibly expensive. Uh, obviously, if property taxes have gone up so high, uh, you know, talk about twenty percent increase in property taxes from one, one year to year. Uh, property insurance has, got, has gone up, you know, 200, 300%, and ultimately energy costs have gone up, you know, 200 to 400% in some places. So, yeah, I mean, when, when you get that, you, when you get hit with an extra, geez, uh, an extra $200, uh, in, in, um, uh, in, in extra costs in energy from one year to the next, uh, and your property insurance and all, by the way, all property insurance and all, uh, all property insurance, uh, taxes are paid at the same time at the end of the year. So there's a, there's an, so in other words, right. people get hit are expecting to get hit with an eight thousand dollar bill, you know, if you're not careful, yeah. or or more if you if you didn't have a the protection of uh, some type of exemption or or save our homes protections. I mean, it, it's it, so, it'll put people out. In other words, so you you would abolish the property tax in Florida? Absolutely, it's not. It, people don't understand even how their taxes work here because it's. Uh, it's, uh, they made it, per- the politicians made it purposely complicated. So property taxes, right. you know, they think they pays for education. It doesn't, uh, people, you know, in, uh, Florida's, uh, Florida's sales, uh, Florida's main rep, the state of Florida government revenue mostly comes from ta- uh, from sales tax, uh, almost entirely from sales tax, actually. Um, now mm-hmm. the property taxes that are collected for, for schools, which are a state agency, are simply diverted to uh, to this, the legislature at, and added to their general revenue, and then the legislature basically redistributes the money uh, from their budget from the revenue to the back to the school. So it has nothing to do with that. the the The, the local governments are obviously bloated, uh, and often oftentimes don't um, they have more money to burn? Right? They're just so mismanaged uh, that they they could do with uh, they could do with with less, and frankly, most of their revenue uh, comes from intragovernmental transfers. Reg- anyway, so what does that mean? That means, like, that means the state government will send the money. The federal government will send the money. Uh, they they will have transfers from uh, from actual services they provide people legitimately that that people pay into, uh, and th- that makes up the, the the vast majority of their uh, and they have and they actually have their own local option sales taxes. A lot of them do. So you know they're they're not crying for sources of money, 
you know, they're, but they are trying to grow their, you know, they're just trying to, they're like any government program. They're just trying to grow and grow and grow. So, so, okay. I guess I could see how property tax is like a form of rent. Cause if, if you don't pay it, then you get your property taken away, which it does sound crazy. Cause you spent all that money purchasing the property. So where, where's the property tax money going if it doesn't pay for schools and, and local things like that? Uh, so if it's, if it's for local, local government, that means County and municipalities, uh, it go. It just goes straight to a, a, a. By the way, it's true in in the state government too. It just goes to a re- general revenue f- to be redistributed to whatever services. And these days, at the local government, you know, you're any you're, you're lucky if you're if your local government only uh, uh, spends only forty percent of the revenue on on um, uh, retirement plans, right? The pension funds. Sometimes they're up to sixty percent of of city of local budgets are. Are committed or, or higher in some places committed to uh, pension funds. So, in other words, you have these lavish uh, benefit programs that have existed for decades that are costing costing taxpayers uh, a, an enormous legacy cost. And so we're really yeah. we're we're basically continuing to pay for the largesse of past generations of politicians. Mm. That, that really that's that's uh, that's the kind of government we really think is good, uh, a good measure of government. And we want to teach, we want to teach the Afghans or, 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 or the Chinese how to be how to be good liberals. You know, have a this is the form of good government that we want them to to see. No, it's impossible. Yeah, you you also uh, mentioned on your platform uh, you want to protect pay, protect taxpayers from inflation by moving to Bitcoin or crypto. So, um. I mean, would you would you allow for, um, or I guess how how would that help with inflation? Move into crypto or Bitcoin? All right, so you know, basically, I'm I'm, uh, I'm taking the half. It's the half step toward actually making government uh, the state of Florida free, an actual free state of Florida, and with, with, that's actually sovereign, whether it's part of the United States or independent. And I'd prefer independence. But you can't get there unless you, unless Florida has control over the number one thing that everyone that touches everybody, the currency and the financial system, right, or banking system. Now, uh, moving the, the the state to a Bitcoin standard the, accomplishes this, and naturally, it basically just allows people to opt out of the the U.S. banking system, uh, and and uh, by be, uh, in other words, I would allow the state of Gov- of Florida, their agencies, to transact in, um, in in this cryptocurrency, uh, Bitcoin, and allow and in doing so, they will now be able to transact in a currency that that has a strong, uh, basically a stronger storage of wealth. It maintains its value, so it can actually work as a store uh, as a store of, of of wealth, and you can actually build on that wealth. Now you you've seen you hear a lot of news these days about uh, cryptocurrencies, um, you know, like uh, going um, having uh, price price shocks, right? Or, or there's fraud here, or fraud there. And if if people covered the covered the U.S. dollar market and the and the Federal Reserve the way they do crypto, they, they would be hearing they would be hearing that a thousand times more uh, because of the the level of of you know, we have a our U.S. dollar, which is really called a Federal Reserve note. If you pull it out and look at it, called Federal Reserve note, not even U.S. dollar anymore. 
is right. uh, it has been so devalued over the years, as particularly simply in the last what eight years or less, it's been it's been devalued so so much that that it's caused the price. It's caused um, obviously more dollars to chase over chase goods, the fixed number of goods, and it's caused price shocks and all the uh, whether it's energy, food, uh, you know, um, even the price of homes, everything, every 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 consumer good has, has gone up in cost because of uh, because of the uh, the pressure from inflation. In other words, your dollar, your purchasing power of your dollar, which is what you're, you're supposed to store your wealth into in your savings accounts, uh, buys you less now than it did eight years ago. And why is that important? Because inflation is basically a tax. I mean, they, the government doesn't want to really, politicians, especially those in, in the federal government, don't want to tax you. Any. Taxes are unpopular. So what they do is they'll say, well, just go print some more money. You know, go do it on a, on a loan. Do it through the savings bond, the U.S. savings bonds. Mm -hmm. And uh, eventually what happens is uh, is that they will, they, they didn't, directly tax you they didn't issue hey we're going to raise the tax rate uh for income taxes to this level no they'll just do it indirectly by taxing your savings accounts them or the even the money that's in your pocket and they're going to just steal some of the purchases per, they'll, they'll steal it or tax the purchasing power uh, of the of that money and use that to pay for their programs for their largesse uh for you know for for their uh, patronage all right so I guess with Bitcoin and crypto, you can't really inflate the currency. You can't just um, spend a bunch of it or just, I guess, water the currency down by printing it. So the, the, the positive thing about cryptocurrency is that if you can't print it, right, it's fixed. Now, there could right. be people with a lot of a lot of it stored up that they just suddenly start using it. Uh, and that's different. But when, even if somebody does that, which is what something that actually something similar like like that happened like a year ago. Everyone knows exactly what happened, right? It's transparent. It and when if something if you can see it happening, you can plan accordingly. You sometimes the inflation uh, risks you don't feel it immediately. This is called the cotillion effect. Uh, that in other words, the supply of money it actually will affect other other economies. In in fact, in the world. Uh, first, and then at the, where they'll actually the last to be impacted uh, due to the changes in the supply of money, uh, because it, basically it just other people use it a lot, a lot are more exposed to the to the to the inflation risk than we are, particularly in in um, so the weaker the weaker the economy, the more exposed they are to that risk. So the countries, the developing countries, and then the the, the Russia, you know, the, the the Central Asia zone, and then of course the euros. The eurozone will be affected uh, as um, as we go until it finally comes home to to roost here in America. Okay, and would you allow for gold and um, silver as well to be? Uh, I, I would created? certainly allow. Uh, legal tender laws should be abolished. So let people choose the currency they want. Mm. Just let them. If we can, right. the problem the, the problem with uh, gold and silver in my, in, in my eyes is that it's just it's not as easy. It, it, it doesn't satisfy, um, and I could be wrong about this, of course, just my opinion, uh, but it just doesn't seem to, it doesn't seem to be available in the quantities and in the structure to, to, uh, to meet the consumer demands of today. In other words, you know, you can, you're not going to be carrying around all this 
quote coinage coinage on you uh, when people are so used to transacting digitally, right? Especially in America. Now, uh, and of course, the supply of of gold and silver is is tightly controlled and regulated, uh, both because especially in America, where a lot of a, a lot of mine um, uh, in, underground or resources of the precious metal is owned and controlled by the federal government. And they say they own it. I mean, we don't, they own it. Yeah. So, you know, we're uh, most of the, you know, especially if you're West of the Mississippi, you're probably, you're more likely to, uh, you know, to states in that direction are more likely to be mostly owned or controlled by the federal government, even though they're technically states that have their own sovereignty. So, but it's a weird, it's a weird dichotomy. Yeah. Even in Florida, so, you know, like you know, think about how many um, national parks we have in Florida, right? Or, or or forest preserves, or you know that that exist in Florida. It's it's sizable. It should, but it's uh, while like in Florida, we're like sixteen percent of our land is is owned by the federal government. Like Nevada is like like ninety, mm-hmm. like things like that. Okay, um, that's interesting. So we basically have a monopoly on our money. Um, Moving on a little bit on your platform, you also talk about the war on drugs and you say that you would decriminalize personal drug use. So people that hear that might ask you, okay, Hector, so are you saying that if someone wants to inject themselves with heroin or go do crack, they should be able to without any um, penalty or without going to jail? So I'm sure you get that a lot. Right. I mean, it's it's a it's a typical example. Let's put it this way: you shouldn't, uh, as as a country, uh, and as a, as policy, uh, we have the country has spent the last sixty years trying to enforce morality on people through government policy. They're trying to make them better people. Now, uh, now of course, drug abuse is a personal habit. So on top, you're basically criminalizing people's personal behavior, personal habits, even if they're destruct destructive to themselves. Uh, you know, we're investing immense resources and social uh, and the social the, the social cost of dis- disrupting communities uh, be- by declaring whole, you know, whole communities that are, you know, that that, uh, you know, especially I mean, the best case scenario right now is like um, uh, you said heroin, but let's let's go to the legal version of it. Right. Uh, fe- you know, fentanyl or other opioids. Mm hmm. Uh, you know, th- that's really what's going on, you know, where, where you have communities, sometimes you have communities that half the communities hooked on it, right? Uh, there's a, you know, it used to be before COVID that the pandemic was, was opioid abuse. And by, by the way, opioids are legal in, Flo- in, in the United States. They're a, they're a regulated and legal substance that people can get all the time from their doctor. And mm-hmm. not only all the time, but we found out that most doctors were being paid under the table to push opioids on their other on their patients. Mm, so they, they're drug dealers. Yeah. In other <laughs> words, we, we've told we not only totally lost the war on drugs as a country, uh, but the the war on the the druggists now run the country, right? Mm. The drug dealers, the 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 the, 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 the real d- drug dealers, literally run the country now. And yeah, app- uh, occasionally they'll have to pay an enormous financial uh, fee. Right, a penalty for for their behavior, uh, but it's not. Com- it doesn't compare to the amount of, of control and 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 really profit that they get to make. So, uh, before COVID, the year of COVID and the year prior to COVID, so 2019 and 2020, 
the the courts in across a, 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 different courts across the state actually uh, found judgments, financial judgments, and damages against the pharmaceutical companies for pushing uh, or for or for illegally uh, paying um, kickbacks, basically to uh, to physicians and prescribing uh, pre prescribing uh, prescribers. You know that is. Uh, uh, for billings it was the highest damages in recorded history for for legal damages uh and they were the, the funds were actually given to the states and the states were supposed to uh you know use it to to fight the fight the opioid pandemic right or epidemic uh florida too was involved in those lawsuits and, and took money so i i still haven't seen how they spent the money by the way yeah uh, but but that's where we're that's where we're at. Of course, the social costs involved in uh, with the, the war on drugs is is dramatic. Um, not only because uh, you know forget that forget for example for for a moment the the idea that we have the the prison the, the the school to prison pipeline that exists out there, but the social cost of having a a pop uh, you know having the world's largest prison population we have America has. The world's largest largest prison population. Uh, in fact, it's so large that all the prisoners held in every other country, even China, uh, combined can is still dwarfed by the prison population in America. Now that's a social cost. The wow. next social cost because okay, why is that a social cost? Because that is show me how. You, you value the, the most vulnerable in your community in the most vulnerable people in your country and that will tell me how you how you what your moral standards are right so we are down in the floor in this country now on the social personal social costs if you have the the, the scarlet letter of being a former convict you know that chick that follows you for life you are still punished for life because you carry that record with you when you have to apply for a job when you have to apply for housing, uh, when you apply, and and now you know, and now the, of course it, it's uh, a lot of other permissions are required be, uh, through like social social uh, credit checks, right? Uh, and and so you are denied basically being a full citizen in this country, a full person even. Uh, and when people describe the prison system as uh, returning people back to a, a form of slavery, or or to a caste system, they're, mm -hmm. I mean. It's accurate. It's accurate. So th th this is the social cost the war of drugs has permitted in, in this in this country, and the the easiest thing to do as a governor, uh, the governor should be should do if they really care about human dignity and human life and have regards to civil society, uh, is to pardon uh, pardon any nonviolent criminals, any anyone who's charged for nonviolent crimes, pardon those crimes. Especially the ones that are victimless and, and they're nonviolent, uh, you know. Uh, people, it's just it's just simple to do. Just scrub mm -hmm. their scrub. Just make it easier to to uh, uh, to be restored back to full life. Uh, you right. can also commute sentencing and, and release prisoners. That you know, oh, it's not gonna. It's gonna obviously there's a financial cost and a financial savings to taxpayers, but realistically, the only re people who really are adamant about keeping prisoners in prison. Are the prison contractors, the prison operator contractors that exist in Florida, mm -hmm. and I'm sure they exist in other states as well. So, locking people up because of a personal habit, um, such as you know fentanyl, if they become addicted to fentanyl, I guess 
putting them in a prison cell wouldn't necessarily be a solution to helping them helping them um, wean themselves off of the fentanyl. No, um, they, they, they become, it's another form of becoming a ward of the state, a, a virtual slave. Right. Yeah. I guess that, that seems counterproductive when you think about it. Um, why do you think we still have the war on drugs? I mean, makes I mean, people been, money. Okay. It does. It's always follow the money. It just makes people money. You, you have too many people who care, you know, who, um, you know, who, who make money and it's easy money, right? Cause you know, these are people who can't defend themselves. who don't have the resources to do so. You criminalize an entire swath of population. Uh, and it's not just black people. It's also white people, you know, although right. you know, obviously predominantly it's, it's, it affects, uh, uh, black people, people of color, uh, who, who don't trust the system to begin with. Right. Well, I don't know. I, you know, I used to think that, and and sometimes when I, I talk with friends about um, the mentality that people in the black community have towards government, you would think that they would be a little bit more distrustful. But when COVID hit, I didn't really see that too much. I, I actually I saw um, people who were actually who who trusted the government, you know, who went along oh, yeah. with some of the programs. So that's not always. Uh, Consistent I was sometimes. I was very I was looking at those statistics and I will tell you, you know, it, it's the black community and in Florida, so that's what we just say, um, is what was the number one community in rejecting uh, vaccinations. Number one, really, hands okay. down. I think uh, I mean they, the state government had to spend some something close to forty fifty million dollars across the entire state to send people to know, knock on their doors and, and convince, try to convince them to go get, to go get vaxxed. I mean, it was a, a lot of money and they, they, and they did it in Jacksonville and Orlando and South Florida. I mean, this they, money they, was, they, this yeah, money was spent used, by the state. Yep. They, it was given to them by the federal government to be used for that purpose. Could DeSantis have um, abolished that? Hell, or? Hell yeah. Of course yeah. He, he was, he was, he was the virtual, uh, I mean, he was the autocrat. I keep, I'm getting tired of using the word dictator, but he was an right. autocrat under the state of emergency. So he disposed of those funds however he ple- however his, he or his administration pleased. Right. Yeah. Well, I mean, I do see, you know, I know people in the black community that did take the shot and also um, did vote for bigger government with people like Joe Biden. And I'm sure, you, you know, I mean, there's a statistic, statistic that says that a lot of people in the black community do vote Democrat. So um, that's why Wait, sometimes I'm skeptical about. Yeah. The, the doctor, uh, that Dr. Biden, right. He's, uh, right. he said that uh, you know, he, he definitely put that out there. Right. Right. <laughs> um, okay. Yeah. I've always been interested in the drug war and uh, always been curious about that. You also, talked about uh, abolishing red flag laws. What is a red flag law? Okay. Uh, so red flag laws are a, they're also referred to as, as extreme protective, uh, protective orders. So in other words, they, you know, they, they like to, uh, it's, uh, but specifically what it, what it is, is that someone uh, has a problem with another person. Usually it's a family member, a jilted lover, Girl, you know, you know, uh, an angry girlfriend, 
and um, they will they can file a police report and the, uh, that says that you are a danger to the public, you are a danger to yourself, uh, and and you own guns, and they the police will take that uh, to take that complaint and go to a judge or magistrate, and they can ask for a a red flag order. They can issue a red flag order. That's what that's what it's called in Florida. Uh, the and and there's the judge can do this without noticing the person, without the the person uh, are you know arguing for their in their defense, uh, and essentially the these get passed with with really almost all practically all the time. Uh, if it, it in other words, it's never almost never rejected, and so the orders put in place it's it's basically it, it's a seize, it's a, a search and seizure order right uh, that's given. Uh, they they knock on your door. Um, and they will say, we have this order to seize your weapons. Here's your order. And you have no right to defend yourself, but you have to let them in. Uh, and of course, if you don't, you know, it's uh, uh, say her name, right? So uh, the, the um, referring to Brianna Taylor. Right. Now, the, the issue is um, then in order to get your firearms back, you would have to hire an attorney and you have 20, uh, I think you have, was it three, uh, three or four weeks to actually, oh no, it's less. I think it's two weeks. You have two weeks to file a petition with the court to get your guns back. Otherwise they get, they're gone. Now that's an expense that people just don't want to, it's an expense. But more importantly, it, tur it turns American jurisprudence on its head. So in America, we all grew up with the idea that you are innocent until proven guilty. But now there's this whole, whole classification of laws that basically say that you are now guilty and you have to prove your innocence. Mm -hmm. And red flag laws fall, fall into that category. Uh, the the uh, civil asset forfeiture falls in that category. And even the COVID laws fall into that category because you, you were presumed to be a carrier, a diseased uh, person, and you, had to, and, and you had to prove that you weren't in order to – what? get on a plane to get on a boat to transport to, you know to 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 go to travel uh and uh, and even to be at work you have to mm. show that you're negative right so so if someone just accuses you of being crazy or like you said if, you, if your girlfriend is mad at you and um you know she thinks you're reckless all she has to do is accuse you of yep. that there, behavior it's and a very it's a very low bar and that and, of and course, that red, it's right for abuse. Okay, and that red flag law was passed, correct? Wasn't it by didn't Trump um, institute that? No. So uh, mm -hmm. this is a state law, first and foremost. Okay. Uh, that we're referring that the one we're immediately referring to is the state law. Now, this past summer, which was Biden was still president, uh, he uh, the, the the Congress passed a national red flag law. And, and they basically modeled it after the red flag law in Florida because, hey, Florida, Florida is actually the only state in the country, by the way, uh, that, that, that was run, that's run by, by Republicans, a Republican governor, Republican legislature that passed, that has a red flag law, period. That's it. So re, actually Florida, uh, uh, Florida is the, only, is the, is the state uh, that is run by Republicans as the most hostile to the Second Amendment to self-defense. In America, so and yes, Ron DeSantis came out all the way back in 2019 to say that red flag laws are good, and they work. So this is, you know, he's he's not, and of course they, um, and and that's just the record. So 
if people uh, the, the the national red flag law uh, would apply to your state if your go- if your government in state of in that state choose to accept funding to from the federal government to enforce it, just like okay. any other any other unconstitutional uh, federal program. You know, okay. you, in order to participate, you ha- you have to actually elect your state has to elect to participate in it. Gotcha. Okay, so I think I made a mistake there. I think Trump had um, supported red flag laws, but yeah, I think the- originally he had yes, he had made comments in favor of it uh, some time ago, and he's he has since recanted. He's actually he's changed his mind on it. He has okay. actually stated that in the record. Okay, but as for Florida, we still have those those laws in effect. Uh, we we uh, we lead the country. We might le- we might just lead the country at this point, actually. Uh, because the, the the Republican sheriffs in Florida, there's some of them really really love this program and, and and give out, you know, they get thousands of these orders put out a year, at this point. Wow, it's amazing. Um, how much time do you have left? Uh, what, what do you need? Yeah, we can keep well, going. Okay, I just got a few more questions. So, how how long have you been a libertarian, and what made you? Um, a fan of libertarian philosophy. So, uh, I'm obviously, I'm a self-identified libertarian since I found Ron Paul in 2007. So, you know, not just simply because I just I distrust the government, uh, government or anything at the time. It wasn't. I just love the idea that that people could do what they want. Like it's more, you know, people can decide for themselves, or best equipped to decide for themselves uh, what their um, what they what makes them happy. You know, very simple. But on the, on on a on a you know on a spiritual religious front, it it always seemed reasonable to me to want to say that you if you let politicians do whatever you want, um, then you are simply you're delegating your own personal authority and you're responsible for the decisions others make on your behalf. And so it's it's better you know this there's a better way which is the the libertarian philosophy. Which is at the end of the day the application of the golden rule, you know. Every and, and everyone respects the golden rule: do unto others as you would have them do unto you. But this is the this is the basically the political philosophy in that uh, in application uh, applying that golden rule. Okay, so basically, um, I mean, I've I've heard one of the popular slogans of libertarianism is uh, "Don't hurt people and don't take their stuff." To sum sure. it up, yeah. <laughs> Okay. What, what would you say were the most, if you could give me like a top three, maybe top five books that were influential in uh, changing your, your outlook on government and, and politics or how government should work? Uh, so uh, sometimes they're not books as much as, uh, as uh, essays. Like, uh, okay. you know, cause I, I find, I find it easier to read uh, shorter essays. Like, uh, you know, I, you know, um, I pencil, right? You okay. know, when you really think about like how the market works, right? We put a, we don't, you know, we, we don't put enough emphasis on, on how commerce happens and, and, and the social fabric that we create, uh, uh, this beautiful system we create that, that makes, uh, that makes uh, our, our, our market, our free markets really important. Like what does it actually do and accomplish and why then socialism and communism are, are not just wrong, evil, right? So uh, I pencil by uh, 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 Leonard Reed. Uh, the let me think about it. Uh, like 
obviously, uh, uh, yeah, there's some Ron Paul books that I, I always look back to. So, yeah. you know, you think about like uh, Liberty Defined, which is basically an encyclopedia of every of every issue he's ever represented, the top 50 issues affecting America and, and his prescription for it. Uh, that was um, obviously I'm paraphrasing the subtitle. <laughs> yeah. See. Uh, um, yeah. I, I but, think the revolution well, was good yeah. too. Revol- yeah, the manifesto was good too. Yeah, right. uh, I would say the um, you know if I was going to talk about uh, the, there is a uh, what must be done is an essay by uh, a Hans Her- uh, Hans Hermann Hoppe. Uh, okay. All of this is uh, most of these are, are, are available on uh, Mises.org by the way. <laughs> okay. Uh, that that ba- that basically talks about how you know if we want we um, we don't have the form of government or, or the form of society that existed 150 years ago when a lot of the, the leading liberal thinkers uh, or, or this is libertarian, you know, uh, you know, liber- or libertarian thinkers, uh, even a, even the free market economists, that's better yet said that, right? Uh, they were working on the idea uh, in a world where there was uh, uh, more uh, competing sovereignties, right? Where uh, you had... Um, you had monarchies for the most part, but you had different, but you still had so many more governments. And then you had the rise of nation states that, that consolidated a lot of these authorities and you didn't have that many more places to go anymore, right? If you didn't like it, you could, because the best way, the, what most people do in this world is they vote by their with their feet, right? So mm-hmm. if you don't like what how you're being treated in one area, you can just get up and move. Uh, and uh, because of the because of how consolidated the decisions regarding uh, regarding uh, transportation or, or just boundaries, right? And there's just fewer nations that you can turn to uh, that are different. So, uh, okay. and and with that with that respect, that means that we, you know, that essay is really more about how we need to set up, you know, just a different way of of uh, how services are delivered entirely because you, you can't you can't do that now. Now you have to look for uh, little ways of uh, of, of basically non-government alternatives to whether it's your healthcare or whether it's your schooling or whether it's your savings or finances or food, right? Uh, you know, you, you know, this, it's just, you have to be able to, if you really want that, that vision of a free society, that's pure free markets. You, you basically need to have alternatives in the marketplace to replace government services. Okay. You know, and so, and, and without all the coercion involved. So th- those are three, uh, and, I mean, there's going to be you know, obviously um, there's, there's going to be a, a quite a number of other ones I would uh, I would recommend, mm-hmm. but the but those are the top three that come to mind come to mind recently even. Okay, yeah, I'm I'm still studying libertarianism, and um, you know I, I do try to read some writings by uh, people like um, Lou Rockwell, and there's different philosophies out there. Um, one being a anarcho-capitalism, which I haven't gotten too much into, but you know, I mean, basically, it kind of boils down to the people being responsible and stepping up and trying to solve their problems, and actually solving problems better than their governments would at times, um, but also having responsible government too. Right. Um, they, I mean, people people self-organize, right? I mean. That's that's where all these government governments came from in the first place. They did come from the people. They were, they did manifest from the market to you know to uh, consolidate services for good. But they just stuck around so long that people got you know 
they think that's it's supposed to last that way forever you know right well in a sense we've kind of like given power to politicians and government to destroy us so <laughs> maybe you should take some of that power back um what do you say to people who who, who say to you well hector you know um Voting for a third party is is futile. It's ridiculous. It makes no sense because you know you're gonna lose. That's just a loss of vote anyway. How do you respond to that? Uh, I think uh, I think if people people either believe in in uh, free markets or they don't, right? So uh, this is not. It's not just about politics. It's really a way of life. So if you believe it, if you think you have the right, no, you like you want to have a free market where you can you can have a hundred different, a uh, hundred varieties of, of whatever knickknack to purchase. And you want that right to have that kind of selection and, and to be able to shop around and ask for different quotes and pricing, you know, why can't you, what's wrong with then applying that same behavior to politics and saying, Hey, I want more than one choice or two choices in on the ballot, you know, on my ballot to, to, on, for people who are going to dictate, you know, how they're going to, you know, how they're going to confront, uh, these public health crises, for example, right? Or if they're not going to tax, uh, you know, tax my business out of existence in another way. It just reason, it's just reasonable. Uh, on, uh, but I will also say that uh, in America, uh, again, this is true. Of mo- this must be true in other countries as well because it's human nature. Most people don't participate in politics. I mean, half mm-hmm. of all voting age adults in America are not even registered to vote. So, okay. and of, of, of that, the, of the rest of the half that's, that's there, they don't actively vote anyway. And so you're down to a quarter of the entire voting age, voting population that does participate on a regular basis in politics. And for the most part, but the, at the most part, the people who actually are deciding these elections or the margins of these elections, about 10%. So you're always constantly arguing about what, five or 6% of the vote. Yeah. And that's, that's us actually, we're, right. we're there because you know, we, when you don't have a choice, we're, we're constantly flipping back and forth anyway, between one bad choice and another bad choice. So does that mean that five or 6% are basically controlling our way of life in a sense, since, you know, the majority of people aren't really engaged? I, I it's so, okay. Well, the, uh, my, the quick answer is, uh, in a way, yes, because they're they're giving the politicians, uh, they're empowering the politicians with authority to do these things. But I want you to pay attention to, and the reason why I said in a way yes, but in a way no, uh, because the reason, the other reason why pe- libertarians should always remember why they're running for office is always to give people a choice, and that choice reflects their consent of the governed, right? The the, the beautiful Declaration of Independence. That had all these lofty ideas, while written by a slave owner, you know, uh, we have to we have to be real, right? We have to remember that it at the end of the day said that really government is about is the consent of the governed, and they're free to withdraw that consent, you know, if it, if the government no longer suits their needs, you know, you know, which is basically the and the formation the reason of government existing is that the right is to protect people's right to. To uh, ha- you know, what is it? Happiness, uh, the, the pursuit of happiness. It's uh, life, liberty, the pursuit of happiness, right? Or, or uh, some other versions have said, or uh, because it was, that line was taken from um, Locke, which is uh, life, liberty, and and, pro- and property. Uh, but it's he changed it. So, and this is uh, Thomas Jefferson. So okay. to, to to just realize that it's really all about consent. 
And in this, in, in any society, if you have enough, just enough people to consent uh, to withdraw their consent, or to loudly demand anything, really, more than often than not, they get it, right? We're, and we're talking about what the three percenters, uh, even the even the larger minority, like fifteen percent, but nowhere near. You know, you never have to actually even win an election in order to have the kind of impact and the kind of freedoms uh, that that uh, that we demand. It's always about a min- it's always just about a loud minority, always. Right. Yeah. Okay. Um, wrapping up a little bit. Um, you you did. I think you tweeted that um, you called you called um, DeSantis Fauci without the needle. Now. Some people would say that, you know, they would just question, how could you say something like that when this guy is taking on the establishment and he is he was opposed somewhat, maybe not in the beginning, but um, for the most part, opposed to these lockdowns and vaccines. Um, how could you say something like that? I, I mean, I've I've also called them. I've I've also thought about it, and I said. You know what? That's uh, that's too specific. I'd rather call him uh, Fauci uh, Fauci on steroids. <laughs> now, the, the the reason why I said that is because he, you know the buck stops with him on medical mandates in the state of Florida, not the CDC, not Biden, and certainly not Trump when he ordered them too. Uh, and the, the Florida has entered into a new as into a consistent and constant uh, state of medical mandates, uh, and they will affect everybody. Uh, once again, when the the need of politicians and and science and the po- political scientists suit themselves, it suits their needs. So, uh, what did? I, I, but specifically, why did I compare him to Fauci? I mean, uh, this is a person who obviously actively operated hand in hand with the Biden and the Trump and then the Biden administration to spend billions of dollars in enforcing mandates and encouraging people to uh, to ignore the science, really. Right. Even ignore the science that he was supporting, uh, that supposedly supporting and get, you know, go get the vaccine, uh, go be socially distanced, go up and transform your entire life and treat people who don't as um, as uh, enemies, as, as as people who are, are causing harm. Literally, they're killing grandma. Right. He made jokes, jokes about it, but he enforced the same policies. Mm-hmm. Well, and, it, and, and the local governments that enforce mandates and. And uh, stay-at-home orders or, or curfews only did so because there remained a, a, a an executive order from Mr. De, from, Mayor, from the the uh, Santis that uh, that wouldn't otherwise have been possible without the Santis's authority to allow local governments to do so, or the school boards, or the hospital districts. You know, the, it goes on. Now, he did not. It was not just. Uh, vaccines and needles. No, if anybody remembers the conversation about drug therapies, what is the best remedy to cure or to or to offset uh, the the uh, the the progressive progression of the disease of COVID nineteen, the respiratory uh, issues? You know, there was the Z pack, there was ivermectin. You know, what people you know, what the CNN tried to slam Joe Rogan on and calling it a horse dewormer, but human ivermectin isn't used for that. Um, the lawsuit I mentioned to you with the lady, with the teacher in Palm Beach County that died because she wanted to, her doctor wanted to put her on ivermectin, um, and she died waiting for for the hospital to release her into and allow her to actually have the healthcare. 
her, her, her medical treatment. This, these are the things that all happen under, uh, under Rod DeSantis. And then lastly, you know, if we're talking about experimental uh, medical practices, what's more experimental than, uh, than those treatments that, you know, that you could go through a drive-through that were set up by the state, by, by DeSantis administration. You could go in a drive-through and get something called the monoclonal antibody treatment. What's more experimental than adding more uh, genetic, uh, basically genetic gene therapy uh, to to counter a viral infection? All right. But that's what it was, and that's what he yeah. celebrated, and that's what he said. We did this, right? Uh, yeah. You know, if you want, you don't want the you know, you, you want to be treated differently, go and do that, and and you can skip the health system, the public health system entirely, and you can go go to a drive-through clinic, basically a pop-up drive-through clinic, and. And get an experimental treatment that that I don't may be less toxic than than, than yeah. the, the emergency use. Of, I don't even know if we should call them vaccines, but the RNA uh, vaccines, I guess. Right. Uh, and then you had monoclonal antibodies on the other side. So yes, he was promoting on both ends experimental drugs. Wouldn't you say that recently he's been coming around, and that's why he's been gaining a lot of traction within? Republican Party and people do look at him as being um, a promoter of freedom. You know, I think recently the Surgeon General said that um, I think they put a halt to mRNA vaccines because there was a, I think he said there was an increase in death between men of the ages of 18 to 39 who've been injected. Uh, They made a, uh, they they basically do a, 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 a recommendation guidance, right? This is our recommended guidance from the Florida Department of Health. Okay. So uh, that uh, that did not necessarily mean it's enforced. It's going to be enforced by the public uh, public hospital system, which I told you already receive a lot of money from the federal government uh, and mm-hmm. receive resources to follow the CDC guidelines, which the state would which the guidelines that you're referring to conflict with. Now, and that's the currently. Now, I, I want to remind you that. All this is happening in this. All this is happening in the the backdrop of massive, uh, massive social engineering and uh, media manipulation to promote Ron DeSantis over Donald Trump, right? Uh, and to position him as the head of of the Republican Party, and to position you know, and, and who's supporting them, right? Neoconservatives, uh, CNN Democrats, the uh, even the um, uh, and you know. Who, Obviously, if, if, if you haven't heard uh, about it yet, the uh, a lot of cons- conservative media figures, uh, the Bush, you know, Jeb, Jeb Bush, the former governor of Florida, obviously that means the whole family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, basically who's who of the anti-Trump movement as well as are are supporting DeSantis clearly over uh, Donald Trump. So mm-hmm. you know, obviously, and of course, people ha- can look at Ron DeSantis's politics even before he became governor. Um, and he's personally, everyone should really recognize that uh, he was an, he was always a national conservative, right? He 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 had a C minus rating uh, on 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 following the Constitution when he was in Congress. I think he did what four terms. Uh, this is a guy who who, who basically grew up um, poor, and not 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 too poor, but he was he was modest beginnings in Florida, and and he's just a really hungry guy, and he will do whatever it takes to climb the the ladder of power Hmm. okay uh and lastly because a lot of what you're saying i mean i'm kind of i'm unfamiliar with a lot of these things i mean like you were saying um 
the media does present a certain image of people at times that isn't always 100% accurate. Where can people get some of this information that you're talking to or what sources should they go to to get like the real inside scoop? And uh, also let us know if you if you have anything that you're plugging or um, where people can um, find more information about you as well. I mean, so there's a lot of websites that do uh, scores, like constitutional scores. Uh, and you want to look at how he voted his congressional record, right? How he's considered uh, uh, for on the Constitution itself. Um, there, there, you know, if you just Google, you probably find something pretty quickly uh, that talk about it. But you want to know how people compare him, how people compare him and com- compare others, right? To on the Constitution itself or the rule of law. Um, now, as for me, I'm 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 on, I'm on all my socials at Roos for Florida. Uh, R-O-O-S-F-O-R, Florida. Uh, it's on uh, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook. You can always, uh, and you can always catch me there, send, send a comment. Um, I'm, that's also my website, uh, you know, which I have to update now. <laughs> I will, I'm really happy to, to have joined you here today. Uh, and it's good, uh, it's good to basically reconnect. Uh, you know, we've been having this long conversation uh, yeah. for the better part of, uh, I don't know, a decade. Definitely. Yeah, you've been fighting a fight for a while, man. <laughs> one, one thing I can say is you've uh, you've been consistent in, um, in your views and um, you haven't strayed away. So definitely got to give that to you. But um, I appreciate your time today, man. And um, hopefully we can connect in, in the future and, um, you know, exchange some more ideas. You got it. All right. Thanks for having Have me. Have a blessed day. Appreciate it.